0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the American Masterminds podcast.
1: Each episode we invite extraordinary guests who are masters of their craft, their innovators, entrepreneurs, and of course, motorcycle enthusiasts who have made their mark in the world. They share
2: their stories, insights, and hard-earned wisdom, giving you a front-row seat to the strategies and experiences that shape their successes. So sit back, grab a drink, and get ready for an exhilarating
0: ride as we dive deep into the minds of these exceptional individuals. Along the way, we'll uncover powerful strategies gain fresh perspectives, and explore the limitless possibilities of what it takes to be an American Mastermind. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the American Masterminds podcast. I am your host, Topher Sheeler. I am joined by my co-host, Mr. Rob Adams. What up, what up? We got Alec Langdon up on the soundboard today. And ladies and gentlemen, we have a very, very special guest. We just got a little bit of the pre-roll here. I am ex- super excited to have Adam Nugent from Burn Up on our show tonight this evening. Adam, welcome. Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. It's an honor to be with both of you. Absolutely. So you were just telling us, like, Burn Up is, is for men, okay, and, and the different principles, and you've got a unique coaching style. Can you keep going into, yeah, into that? Yeah, yeah.
2: And it's my, yeah, so Burn Up really is, this is a, a newer venture for me, um, that's really come as a result of some pretty major transformational parts of my life, literally in every aspect of my life. And it's, you know, all of us in life have failures, we have pain, we have setbacks, we have heartache. I mean, everybody has their own, um, oh shit moment, right? And sometimes it happens on a daily basis or a weekly basis, but we all have them, but we really have those really painful ones. Like, I don't know how I'm going to get through this, I don't know what I'm going to do. And so, you know, as I've been reflecting, you know, we'll get into my story here, but. On all of that is I look back on every challenge I've been faced with having, you know, gone through divorce, having lost a tremendous amount of weight, having lost a business, having literally experienced major losses in literally every part of my life. If I can look back on all of those moments, as painful as they were in the moment, they were actually for my good. I was actually able to trans really transform or transmute the energy, the stories and everything around it and elevate my life. And it's not easy. And I truly believe that, like, every challenge that we have are faced with are actually for our, I think they're gifts from God. I think some of the, two of the greatest emotions that God's given us, whatever God is to you, is pain and fear. Mm-hmm. I think everything we want is on the other side of fear. And when I look at what success is or define success or people that I look at, I'm like, oh my gosh, I want to be more like them. The difference between them or me or the difference between them and anyone else isn't necessarily, you know, what they went, who, how they were raised or school. I mean, all those things play a role into it but to me it's because they're willing to do scary shit. Hmm. They're willing to put themselves out there. You know, successful people are willing to do things, unsuccessful people aren't. And, and I believe the recipe for success, honestly, isn't that overcomplicated? We overcomplicate all that. But if we can get out of our own head and get out of our own way and simplify the process and lean into what scares us, magic's on the other side of it.
1: Hmm. Hmm. So how do, you, um, how do you, and I'm, I'm asking for me, I, I'm, I'm, this is awesome stuff, the stuff that I need to hear. How do you lean into your fear?
2: Yeah. And let's be clear when you're in it, it's, it is paralyzing, paralyzing, frozen, right. Um, to the point you can't even function, you know, here just literally, you know, I built a a very successful award-winning investment firm, you know, had a ton of money and long, I mean, it's, it's, it's a very long story, but long story short, you know, we set up a fund that, you know, we hired an attorney to do the work and go through all the process and long story short, the SEC came in and audited our firm, took issue with how the fund was structured. It just it was a nightmare. And there's it's easy for me to point a finger because there's other people that were responsible. But at the end of the day, it was my firm. I signed off on it. And ultimately the buck stops with me. And it ended up costing my firm. I got a multi-million dollar fine. The fund that investors were invested in lost a lot of money in the deal, people that I love and care about. And this there was a story that was written that the way this all came out made me look like the biggest shitster on the planet which doesn't accurately represent what happened doesn't accurately represent who I am. And the pain of all of that, with what other people think, and more importantly, just so much of my identity was tied to my company. Hmm. Right? Uh, You were this? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was me. It was like the success of that was me. It was me. It was me. And I think men, we as men, for those of us that are entrepreneurs or have businesses, we tie our identity to that we tie our identity to how much money we make. You know, when I was married, you know, in an unhealthy marriage, I ended up getting divorced about six years ago, but I didn't want to be at home because I didn't want to deal with what was going on there. I didn't know how to deal with it, frankly. And so every day felt like I was, my balloon was getting blown up at work because I'm getting fulfillment, I'm helping people, I'm making money, I feel great. And then it's like every night I went home, the balloon burst, Hmm. right? So I had a very unhealthy attachment to my company, more so maybe than others. And so to have that identity of who I was, Ripped away, taken away under the circumstances, what was extremely painful to the point I almost took my own life. I mean, I was suicidal, and it, you know, I've always heard about, oh, getting suicidal, having suicidal thoughts. And it's like, you don't, until you're actually in it, now I know what that feels like. And it is the scariest, most hopeless, drifting, hopeless place to be, right? Mm-hmm. So your question, Rob, was how do you lean into it? And that moment, in that moment, in those darkest moments where I'm literally telling myself I'm better off dead everyone in my life would be better off if I'm not here. It's literally, it's, it was the grace of God that kept me going that there was this, I can go one more day. I can go one more day. And I, it was the thought of my kids. It came down to my kids. I, I had convinced myself that everybody else would be okay but my kids. And you know I'm really open with my boys, like I have four sons. And I remember telling my son the story and after I'd moved through all of this and he just looked at me and he goes, if you had done that i'd be pissed <laughs> I, i'd be sad of course but i would be i would be upset i'd be pissed I mean, it was just it was this anger like don't you ever go there and it's like dom, dominic's his name like dom trust me dude i'm not there anymore but i was there and i want to be really open with them and so when you're in that Can you imagine that anger i'm just i'm, I'm just, just living that just for a second that anger would be something he'd
1: have to he'd have to metabolize over the years like forgiving someone for committing a crime against them at that level and that's how he was defining it, you weren't doing it, you weren't killing yourself, you were you were taking away his father. And that would be something that Dom would have to...
2: Oh, the trauma and everything that would go with that. Yeah, You know, one thing I hate, people have always said this, right? Because of course, when you're not emotionally attached and you've never been there, you don't know. Yeah, I hate when people say like, well, people that kill themselves, it's selfish. So selfish. It's so selfish. I mean, that is such a an unempathetic way of viewing it and, and a lack of literally understanding or wisdom or frankly, it's ignorance.
1: It's ignorance. If that's, a, if that's a viable option that you're considering, how bad do things have to be? That's what the way I always think about it. Like if that is actually like, hmm, that seems like a reasonable choice right now, things have to be terrible. Yeah. Because no normal, you know, um, person that's in there in the, in the place of a vibration other than that lowest vibration is going to think that's even a good idea. And so how bad does it have to be? And that's what people don't get. And I and I don't want to I don't want to dwell on it too long because this is just a small part of it, but we're talking about something that is it's a game changer. And that at that moment you had that shift. And, and it didn't it didn't come all at once, right? It, oh.
2: I mean it came over weeks and months with that, you know. You spent some time in this. Space. I spent some time in this. So one one of the one of the one of the things that I'm a huge advocate for that's really been life changing for me is plant medicine. Hmm. And so what had happened is I got deposed by the SEC. And in that process, I honestly didn't understand the severity of what I was looking at. I mean, I knew there were issues and challenges, but there were there were conflicts that were written in the documents that I wasn't even aware of. Again, I signed off on it. I didn't know, but I signed off on it nevertheless. And to me, it's like, don't tell me no. There's always a way, right? I think, I mean, life's full of pivots and challenges, and it's like, we're going to find a way. We're going to find a way. And You know, just there was an opportunity that came up right after I had actually deposed by the SEC and I'm spinning. I'm like, I had like, I don't know what to do with myself. And there was an opportunity to sit with some plant medicine with ayahuasca. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to get answers. I'm going to find a way. Right. Because to Mm -hmm. me, it's what ayahuasca does more than anything is it takes your conscious and your subconscious and the divine. I think all plant medicines do this to a degree. and puts everything in alignment and pulls away all the bullshit, pulls away all the stories. Right. So when we can't see something necessarily clear, we're going to get clarity. So in my head, I'm like, I got to find a way through this. So went into this, like looking for answers and doing into it. And it was one of the most horrific, most painful nights of my life at the time. But all I saw was my business burning to the ground. And this was nearly a year before it happened. And the pain of watching it burn. And what it did is it showed all the parts of my, you know, all the stories I had been telling myself because why I did certain things, what I did, and it just kept pointing all these what I call the shadow side of it, just kept really kind of speaking truth to me, right? And it's like realizing like, oh my gosh, yes, there's other people that played a role into this, but so did I, you know, and I played a role in this. And so painful and just seeing again, right, my whole identity is tied to this. And I'm watching this get, I'm literally seeing like, this is going to go away, you're done. And, but during that, during that ceremony, as I saw all of that, there was a key there was a key phrase to me that was as if god was speaking to me or my higher self or whatever it was but there was i heard it distinctly and it said all this is happening but your rebirth will be epic mm. but your rebirth will be epic that one sentence because i i mean i was already in such a dark place but that one sentence in the weeks and months preceding that literally felt felt like years every day felt like a week every week felt like a month and every month felt like a year i mean it was just because again, there was nothing I could necessarily do. I was just at the mercy of so many things outside of me and not knowing what to do with it. And so many people and employees and clients, just super painful. But just that one sentence, but your rebirth will be epic, kept me going. Hmm. Hmm.
1: So ayahuasca is um, well known for being, um, they call it the, the death medicine. It's um, because your ego does die. And you have told us just now that your ego was tied to, directly to the value of the business, the value I bring to my employees and my investors and and, and all these um, illusions of significance, I like to call them, and um, ayahuasca takes a magnifying glass and like shines it on this ego death is what you witnessed, the death of the business, um, that would be terrifying, that would be absolutely terrifying, and then to live the next year in the realization of the very thing that you saw, just deconstructing your, your, your world. Now, when this started to happen, were you that that hundred pounds heavier? Was, is no, that,
2: that, were... that, that my, my weight loss journey had happened before that. Okay. Yeah. So I'm, I mean, so I'd started that process just right kind of towards the end of my divorce or excuse me, towards the end of my marriage and, and the start of my divorce is where I really started to lean into that. Um, but no, it was again, right. It's and again, I just want to say this too, that ayahuasca, I mean, it's different for everybody. Everybody has a different experience and, And there's the there's, I think ultimately what it is, is it's a journey back to yourself. Hmm. I think plant medicine does that. It's a journey back home. It's a journey to see who you truly are at your core, Hmm. to get back to the root to get back to an alignment with whatever that happens. to be. It's back to source, right? Hmm. And sometimes getting back to source is painful. Right? Because they always say the truth hurts. Right? And, and again, we all have stories that we tell ourselves. We've moved the world based on, you know, how we were raised, by beliefs, by religion, by whatever we've been taught, and we make decisions accordingly based upon our life experiences. Sure. Well, again, when you're in the medicine, it rips it all away. There are no stories. There are no, hey, my mom taught me this, or my dad taught me this, or my church leaders taught me. That's all gone. It just speaks to you like, nope, this is the real deal, hmm. right? Yeah. And so it's that journey back home. And so, again, that journey back home to me required some real peeling away. You mentioned ego death, right? And and my experience is unique in the fact that, yes, I saw and experienced losing my business. That actually came to fruition. A lot of times when you're in the medicine, you can have an ego death. You can have other things. It doesn't necessarily mean someone's going to die or you're going to die. It's, you know, it's the energetic connection, death. if yeah, you yeah. will. It's the energetic death. But I, I experienced a part of me dying. Part of my, my worth was tied to that. It's what I provided. I mean, it was And so much of the message in medicine and just in life in general, and as I lean into this, is like, no, I'm not my business. I'm not my money. I'm not my relationship. I'm a whole person on my own. I'm imperfect like everybody else. And men especially, right? We want to hide from that. We want to, you know, move away from that. I mean, I mean, we're all in the business world. All of us have gone to a networking meeting, right? We walk into a room and it's like, it's a bunch of dudes that's in there. And it's like, who's got the biggest dick? Who's driving the nicest car? Who's making the most, it's just showboating, right? And it's everybody's trying to like, see how good I am. But the reality is everybody in there has insecurities. Everybody in there has major issues and problems, but no one wants, women are much better about it than we as men, Oh yeah, right? And it's like, what's real and what's not? And what I've learned is like, there's so much power in being vulnerable and being open and just sharing your shit, because we all have it. So it's like, you know, everyone that's going around the room you know, trying to pretend quote unquote, to be someone they're not, you know, that guy over there's marriage is falling apart. That guy's broke. That guy's this, that guy's that's like, let's have a real talk. Yeah. Like I'm, I crave deep intimacy with men that want to be open and talk about real stuff because it's the reality and right. society hasn't given us, you know, a safe place to do that. I mean, there's transition things are happening, but generally speaking, it's not safe to talk about this stuff.
1: I think what's more is that, um, as men, we, um, we suffer alone. I believe that yep. I'm the only one that is having this problem. I'm the only one that's ever had this type of a business issue. I'm the only one that's struggling with addiction or obesity or money or my marriage. We all think that we're doing it by ourselves, and the more that I talk to men, and I'm I'm a, as far as men go, I'm pretty talkative. Like I I like to what? Yeah, I'm I'm am <laughs> I'm a talker, and I'm also I don't um I do have my. Um, illusions that I want people to think I'm happy and successful. I want that, but for the most part, I try to be as authentic as possible. And in so doing, I've given other men this this opportunity. And when we sat down for lunch the other day, I was amazed at the. This is not the Adam that I met. This is a different person that I met. And you just wanted to go right deep and talk about. This is where it's. This is where I'm healing, and this is how it's happening, and this is the journey along the way. I love the idea that you're creating a space where men can go and safely, comfortably get to this mindset that it's okay. It's, it's you you have that addiction I have that addiction.
2: What are you doing? What's helping you or you're doing that I'm doing so that. so uh, no so I agree. I felt like I was alone. I isolated myself, I pulled away from people. I relationships that I had forever are gone now, right Some of them needed to go away. some of them didn't. but why I guess question I question that for both of you is why do you think that is the case? Why do we as men feel like we have to do this alone?
1: I often think that it's, um, and I don't know if it's so with Topher, Topher is a little bit of a younger, this generation, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit older, I'm 53, and it feels to me like we were raised by, I, I want to call it like the John Wayne um, society of men, the I can fix it, I got this, you know, you put it on my shoulders, I can manage it, that's who my father was, and so the, the, the way that I was raised was in this world of like they're managing their own shit, they can. I don't need your help. I got this. The problem with that is, is that it doesn't work. It Didn't work for them. As as a young man growing up, I could see that it wasn't working for my dad. Like he needs. We as men need tribe. And so There's, I don't know.
0: What's kind of crazy about that? I think it's that this modern attack on masculinity that's the problem. Tell me okay, that. because the like my grandfather, they had the moose club. They had the elks club. They had the the bowling league. They had the this that that. And they hung out with each other. Yeah. That's the whole reason we started this. Is Where do you go to hang out with, with guys?
1: Anymore? Any church, church?
0: Church and with you're around all the, the kids and wives and whatnot, you're gonna be real vulnerable in that space? No.
1: No, and, and you can't be a church either because we're all which, we're um, supposed to um, it's it's not in a, a it's not a big dick contest, but it is a I'm more righteous than you contest. Like I've I got a hundred percent home teaching this month or whatever it is, you know what I mean? Like it's a, a different type of flex. Um, I'm more righteous, my family's more put
0: together My kid just went on a mission to
1: Paraguay That makes, you know, your your kid just got arrested You know, there's like this weird You're right, that's not a space but. I
0: just I just think it's more of the digital space People are working behind screens They're working in cubicles now You can pin that back to the 90s And then the slow attack on, on masculinity I think that guys, we used to work together Shoulder to shoulder Yeah, And so you would get a lot of that throughout the day And by and large, people don't do that today Huh so, so we you, have to manufacture places for men to be vulnerable to express this stuff to talk to one another
1: or just to be I don't want to even be vulnerable I want to go throw, throw the frisbee with a buddy and talk about my kids or that your kids are like it doesn't matter it doesn't matter I I can't have this conversation with my wife I can't have this conversation with my children yeah and who else would I'm gonna have it with I think I think that's a really good point we don't have bowling leagues or no and I think there are some men that do things that
2: that are involved but as a whole as a well culture. they're little clicks so I, I would clicks. even say like i mean when i hear you say like men working shoulder to shoulder i'm, I'm picturing like i don't know of... like yeah on a farm fo- like blue collar right yeah. The yeah. boys together making a stuff mind. like that right and of course they're you know with technology and society and like as we advance as an economy i mean obviously there's less and less of that because of technology and efficiencies right but i look at that Definitely. If you look at that pool of men, right. That are in that rubbing shoulders. I don't think they're just because they're together, they're opening up and sharing their feelings either. I mean, cause again, I think society, we've been programmed, like you said, like to not share our feelings. I, mean, I remember when I, if I cried as a kid, or even as a teenager, yeah. my dad would like Knock get a hold of yourself. Yeah. Like it's not okay to show emotions. Yeah. It's not okay. And of course there's a point to it. It's like, like with my kids, like I want my kids to be open. I want them to cry. I want, I mean, I cry in front of my kids sometimes. And it's like, I want them to see all of me. Because I think we as kids, we put our dads on a pedestal. It's fascinating because, you know, I started to work with my dad. And, you know, my dad had a ton of reservation about me working with him. And he said something I'll never forget. He goes, you're going to see another side of me. And I don't know if I'm ready for you to see that. I didn't know what that meant. When we started to work together, I'm like, oh, wait a minute.
1: Who's this man?
2: Superman, who I'd put on a pedestal has his imperfections. He has his insecurity. I saw it all. I saw a completely different side of my father. Hmm. And it like clicked years later. I'm like, I know what he was talking about. Hmm. Like he didn't want to see this other side of him, right. That he could quote unquote hide in, or this, this work side, these insecurities are pushed away. I never saw that. I mean, I didn't recognize it as a kid. Yeah. And what I've tried to do because of that with my own children is I'm really open with them. I'm like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Like, I don't care how many parenting books you read. I don't care how many kids you have. Like you're it's on the job learning and you're still learning. Yeah. And every one of my boys, I parent them differently because one message doesn't resonate with that resonates with one. Yeah. Doesn't resonate with the other. Yeah. Take I, my
1: phone away, dad. I don't care where the other one, it destroys them yeah, or, you know, it, it's, they're it, all different.
2: So it's like, we're figuring it out as we go. And I have found like, we are so close. We have such an incredible connection. It wasn't always like this. Um, but we are so close because of the openness that and the safety that we created. Like you can say whatever you want, you can do whatever. You, I mean, there's consequences, but like, so let's just be honest and let's talk through things. And I, I wasn't always like that, hmm. you know. I again, you know, I mentioned in the beginning. I, you know, I went through a divorce and it's like filled up, at, filled up at work, not wanting to come home. So I was there physically, but emotionally and mentally checked out of my kids for a long time. A long time and of course i'm insecure i'm morbidly overweight i feel like shit about how i feel about myself my marriage isn't working i mean all these areas of my life at home i didn't want to be there i didn't feel like shit i didn't know what to do with it and i projected that onto my kids so for years my kids as their father got this angry irritable guy that was just checked out you know and it and it took some real looking in the mirror and owning my shit and realizing that if i need if i want things to change in my house i have to change. Mm. i mean that's the biggest thing with my message with men today is look it's so easy to point a finger. trust me with everything i went through i can point a finger. that's the easy way. blame. blame, right? but if we can look ourselves in the mirror and own our shit mm. i truly believe we can have anything we want in life if we're willing to look at our own shortcomings our own insecurities and own it Hmm. and then make the adjustments and the changes necessary to move forward Hmm. otherwise i mean you're going to be snagged and if your relationship sucks well you're you're the common denominator in all of it yeah
0: that's my favorite thing about ownership it's what you're actually saying by taking extreme ownership is that you have the ability to do something about it
1: there's something powerful about that you go from that victim mentality like i don't know it's i don't she's because she's a bitch no it's because I'm on, I'm on my third wife, and um, the common denominator in all of those relationships has been the same. <laughs> <laughs> what is that, Rob? <laughs> Rob. And once I realized um, that, then I could start working on – I'm fixing that. I, and some, it's just some basic little things about assuming my own happiness and letting her work on her own happiness. And I'm not responsible for how you feel. And all these little lessons that I learned along the way, but at the end of it, it was, um, you know, what's mine? What can I fix? What can I do better? If I can, if I can be a better Rob, then I can be a better husband, a better father. And then she'll come, she'll meet me and usually exceed me. Women usually bring more to the party every time than we do. And so I, I come in at, 97% 97% and she shows up at one twenty-five, and it just is how it is. And so once I learned that and started taking responsibility, which I still have to do, that's my question that I'm going to keep on asking you, Adam, is how do you keep in this place? Because it's easy to get back into the illusion of, well, we're all good here. Let's get back to work as normal, you know?
2: Well, yeah. So I, I think it's taking, it's, it's, you have to get curious, right? So I, again, I want to just say one thing and I'll answer this. Like I, the truth is like when you were looking ourselves, we're the solution. I mean, we're the problem to everything in our life. I don't, I mean, of course there's circumstances that are out of control, but ultimately we're, we're the problem. Yeah. It's a mind fuck, but on the flip side of it, we're also the solution. And when you can look at every challenge and problem and actually reflect back on yourself, and like, what am I doing or not doing that's serving me? Like, and, and what it takes is it takes slowing down. Mm. It takes becoming aware of your emotions, right? Mm. Because I have, I, I mean, I've done so much work on myself on this, like, personal development thing over the last several years and I'm getting better and better and better about realizing like, wait a minute, this is me. And I can catch it sooner. I can get quicker versus going down into the pit of despair. Mm. I mean, ultimately I think that's what leads to addiction, especially with men is because the pain of facing ourselves is painful. It's a buffer then it is. Well, it, to me, addictions, it like, there's something we're out of alignment somewhere in our life and we don't want to deal with it. And, and our, again, our subconscious, side of us is programmed to keep us safe mm. so if there's a part of us that wants to keep us safe like so for example for most of my life food was the drug eating was the addiction mm. right so in an unhealthy marriage not knowing how to manage all of this all the stresses of life food is was my go-to like, you're feeling stress food food happy
1: food. food angry food
2: it didn't matter what it was. It, uh. was it was always food and i had i had moved out of my house i'd, I'd moved into a new house we're going through the divorce and my ex-wife which we're even before this podcast had a great, we were just talking literally about why our marriage didn't work. And we're talking about marriage. I mean, we're in a great space. We're great co-parents. We're way better friends than we are husband and wife. But she called and she lit me up. And I don't even remember what it was about, but I was so triggered that I just started eating. I went into a trance because remember, that's my go-to. I didn't know what to do with the emotions. I didn't have the skill set or the tools to be able to manage them. So I just just started eating. And then to make things worse, I door dashed even more food. So while uh, you were eating. Oh yeah. So I'm like, I'm out. I still can't the motions are still there i don't know what to do with it you still feel yeah because my my go-to was to i wanted the pain i wanted it to go away so food or alcohol or drugs or internet or porn or i don't it doesn't matter everybody has everybody's addicted i believe everybody's addicted to something yeah right but in that moment literally gorging myself to the point of uncontrollable crying and i sat there and i told myself i'm like this isn't working i can't the pain of what i'm feeling right now far exceeds the unknown Of actually starting to eat healthy and learning to manage my emotions, Mm. choosing your heart, yeah, and so that. But it took, and I I don't think I'm unique in this, but it took me getting to rock bottom, literally physically, to like, okay, it's time to change. What I'm doing is not working. Yet in my head, all this time, I knew it wasn't working, but it was comfort. It was the norm. It's weird because I was never comfortable being nearly 350 pounds. I mean, I never was comfortable in that space. Yeah. Yet. I found comfort in it because it was my norm. It was my baseline. So whatever our baseline is, right, wherever we're functioning today, and we all have baselines, right? We have baselines in our relationships. We have baselines, you know, financially, financially in every aspect of our life. So whatever that baseline is, that's the comfort, right? So our subconscious, you know, mind, that's the baseline. So when we want to elevate our lives, whatever that looks like, so if I want to lose weight, that's a form of elevation and taking care of my health. My subconscious, my default is like, nah, this is uncomfortable. We're not going there. This isn't normal. This does not feel right. And there's part of us that wants to pull us back down. Same thing with the relationship. Mm. You know, I, my tendency in my marriage was to avoid. I don't want to deal with this. I didn't know how to deal with it in the first place. And it's like, I'm not getting what I want. So I'd rather just avoid, numb, and check out. Well, the truth is, it takes having harder conversations and working through stuff. And then all of a sudden, as you work through the hard, as you work through That uncomfortableness, all of a sudden, it's like, oh my gosh, there's light on the other side of this. Hmm. See, I don't believe light and dark are separate. I believe light's found in the dark. Of course, they're two different things. But if we really want to try and find true light, Hmm. we want to truly up-level and have literally transformation, transformational change in our life, that transformation is found in the dark. Hmm. Hmm. It just has to get dark enough. And unfortunately, most people want to stay in that and it's just light enough, it's not too dark, and they get comfortable, Right, and they get complacent, and they coast. Yet, most people that are in that live a life of, I didn't do enough, a life of insecurities, I could have done this, and so they live a life of, should have, would have, could have.
1: Even more, I think that's the beginning of a crisis, and the crisis is, all of a sudden, how did I get to be 350 pounds? How am I married to this terrible person? How How am I not, how are my kids, like, I don't have a relationship with any of my kids, like, you have this moment of, like, incredible clarity where you're like how did i get here and that's the i think that's the midlife crisis is living in this this numbness until you realize you're in it because we're coasting so much we're so comfortable we're 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 fish swimming in polluted water we don't even know and then we get into that clear stream and you look around for a second you're like whoa like this is I have a choice here i i feel like i've been through this and i go through it again and again and again and i work myself into this comfortable numbness or unconscious living and then i come back to high intention and then back and forth and back and forth that's what the medicine has done for me is give me a consciousness of my my frequency like i am not connecting i am not present i am not centered right now i'm i'm playing the game i'm pulling the levers but i'm not doing the things that make me happy and I think it's interesting that your your journey as you're making this this um, becoming conscious of it, and you you discover this unhealthy marriage, unhealthy body, maybe even unhealthy spiritually, and unhealthy oh, yeah. relationship with your kids, all of it comes in at one time, and you have like this it's it's a crisis, and I think a lot of men um, have had it,
2: or are on their way to it, or they just left it, and they don't know what to do with themselves about it. It's yeah, happening a lot, no, for sure, and I think. I'm glad you brought this up. What's coming to mind is like New Year's resolutions, right? Mm. We, we live our life a certain way. And then it's like, all of a sudden, January 1st, I'm going to eat. And let's say it's I'm going to eat healthy. I'm going to do all these things that you I haven't been June, doing for, let's say, week. for 40 plus years, yeah. right? And yeah. all of a sudden, in one day, I'm going to do it all. Yeah. And then so the reality is when we set these goals out for ourselves, more often than not are unrealistic, right? And I think, I think the most – excuse me, the most – sexy, attractive quality that any man or woman can have is confidence. Mm-hmm. Like, and the number one way to build confidence is to keep the commitments you make with yourselves, mm. period. Does that sound that's familiar? A, that's a good one. Yeah. You know, so, so for example, if I set out, I'm going to do these 10 things starting January 1st and I do 10 of them day one, I'm like, oh my gosh, I did it. And then the next day it's like, I did nine, you know, and all of a sudden, I'm you know, I think statistically 90% of people that had set New Year's resolutions by the end of January are already off the bandwagon. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and and the problem is it's like we're setting ourselves up to try to do too much too fast. So the, the, what I have found again, right? You mentioned crisis as far as kids and marriage and money, all the things that's like, if you try to tackle all that at once, more often than not, you're, you're just, you're going to lose and you're going to actually fall lower than you were before. Right. So it's picking one thing and it's making micro changes that then have, you know, this macro effect. It's, it's the ripple effect. So, you know, it starts with a little ripple, but before you know it, it's the six foot wave. Yeah. Once you start doing it and being consistent and making consistent daily micro changes in your life is how you do it. If you try to do it all at once, I'm telling you, more often than not, it doesn't work. You'll lose. Have you read The Compound Effect? Oh, yeah. They go into that in such great detail.
1: And the way that he lays it out in such a way that it just is these little tiny um executions of success, just a little, little wins throughout the day. I love that book. It's been a really good, good one for me. You know, real
2: popular today is like, I mean, again, I've gained and lost enough weight over the years. I, I say this all the time. I could go on Oprah, right? I mean, literally, you know, hundred pounds swings either way. And so, but I love a challenge. Right. And I always like, oh, I can do this like 75 hard is really popular today. Right. Right. I love it. I love the concept. I love everything around it. Anyone can do anything for 75 days, even as difficult as that happens to be. Then on the 76th day, there's this mentality. I watched a ton of people do it. Then what the weight they lost, the muscle they've gained. I've seen this happen more often than not that they actually go back to where they were before or worse or worse. Right. And I was the king of that. It's like, oh yeah, I have a destination. I'm training for this race. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I hit that goal. And then it's like, but I didn't make lifelong changes. I didn't make transformational behavioral changes. Hmm. And I believe everything we want, whether it's money, relationships, physical, all of it, all comes down to the stories we're telling ourselves and it's controlling the mind mm. the mind is more often than not for all of us is on autopilot and when you can get it off autopilot and live more of a conscious life versus an unconscious life that's where magic happens that's where the freedom to do everything you possibly want to do is getting your mind right
1: yeah yep i believe that we've talked at great detail at american masterminds about how to create a successful morning to create a successful day and it is about Getting your mind right—it's about starting with gratitudes in the morning. It's about taking time and looking at what you want in your relationships. We, we have life accounts. I could show you that when you—this is what I want from my marriage or from my business—and we visualize it and spend time seeing ourselves being successful in that. And then we step into the day in that character, ready to go. We've we've girded our loins, as it were, as they say locally, and and we're ready for the battle. And I think that um, the mindset is the thing that's overlooked. And you know, it's that whole like think feel do the results, and then it kind of goes back around and around, and I, it begins at the thoughts, and I, I love that that's where you took it to, because I know as you are, you work with um, the Burn Up Program, of, we spend a lot of time, or you spend a lot of time, I would imagine, in how do we get our head right? Can you, can you give us some ideas on some things you
2: talk about with men in this area? Yeah, so I think, you know, you brought this up, so I'm, I'm a huge advocate or believer, like, how you start your day is how your day will go, or your week will go, Right. And it's interesting, again, you hear these social media influencers or everybody says like, you know, this is the way it's this way or the highway, right? So what works with me, like I'm really intentional. I do a lot of things in the morning, but that, that's something that I need that fills my cup that might not necessarily fill somebody else's cup, right? We're all different. And I think it's important to understand that, you know, but I believe, again, I, I believe there's, again, when we accomplish things. The goals that we set out for ourselves, that's where confidence is built. I also believe, especially with men, when we do things that are quote-unquote hard or uncomfortable, there's another layer of confidence that kicks mm. in, mm-hmm. right? So I'm a huge advocate. I mean, it's really popular today, but it's changed my life is cold water therapy. So cold plunging. So almost every morning, I, I I jump in, I get in the sauna, and then I start my day with a cold plunge. So you get in the sauna for how long? 20 minutes, 25 minutes. It depends. So you come out
1: of the sauna at 100 degrees. Yeah, and you jump in cold water, but forty degree
2: water. Yeah, water's my water. I think my temperature. I think set at forty four. Forty four.
1: Yeah. And then, how long are you in the
2: water? Uh, it depends. You know, I try to go. Sometimes it's a minute. Sometimes it's three or four. Sometimes it's five. It just it depends. But I'd say on average between one and two minutes. I mean, I. But I don't want to get in. <clears throat> Let's be clear. It's I've done this hundreds easier. of times, <laughs> and every morning I have to talk myself into it. So it's not like I'm so used to it that it's like, oh. this is like you know brushing my teeth no one that does it a lot feels that way but we do it and I do it because of the euphoria that comes after I do it because of the dopamine hit that comes from it you know I'm we talk about addiction which is you know I when I was going through the especially the pain of my losing my business and going through that I mean I was numbing out on whatever I could possibly find the pain of all of it was so defeating debilitating and I didn't know what to do with it and of course in such that horrible mindset that I was at, not horrible is not the right word, in, in a challenging mindset, limiting belief mindset, just spinning and just searching for things outside of me to make it go away. The reality was it wasn't going away. And I created a lot more pain and suffering that didn't need to be there. So one of my huge whys for where I am today in doing stuff is to help men, especially, lean into what's hard. What we're avoiding, all we're doing is kicking the can down the road, period. So it's have the hard conversations, lean into this, like rip the bandaid off. Cause if we just slowly pull it away, we're just creating more and more pain in our life. Right. Mm. So cold water. Th- and again, we're see- searching. excuse me, we're see- we're searching outside of us. And I, you know, like solution. in the science, it, but looking for the pain to go, away, it's the dopamine hit, mm. the dopamine, right? So people want to check out on social media. They want to watch Netflix. I mean, there's a dopamine, there's an elevated, you know, is the dopamine hits the brain and the brain gets used to that. And so that's why it's hard to pull away from that. You know, cold water therapy has the same, my belief is, and I, might, I don't think I'm misquoting this, but it has the same effect as if someone was doing a line of Coke. Like, it, you know, Coke has a huge dopamine hit or sugar and it's like, but there's not a crash to it. So to me, like one of the things when I quote unquote detox stuff, I will get in the cold water sometimes multiple times a day. Wow. And it, I do it for the emotional side of it. There was one time a couple of years ago, I was spinning. I was at my office, not knowing what to do. My heart rate's like at 150 beats a minute from stress. Wow. Went back to my house I got in the cold water For five minutes After five minutes My beat, heartbeat went from 150 to 60 beats a minute In 39 degree water And so Again Uncomfortable But I knew In that 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 was the solution That would help me You know A natural way of doing it Versus Running to get fast food Or going to get Something else to, You know To numb out on the pain I went to something Natural to, to To regulate that And it literally Brought me back down
1: Well nothing's a pattern interrupt like 43 degrees Yeah there's nothing that can interrupt your your flow. I I, I cold plunge every morning, uh, for five four and a half minutes. I've got the a song that's four yeah. and a half minutes long, and um I, it's hard for me to say that I'm I crave it, but I sure know the difference when I don't do it. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm but like,
2: you, but you but you I would say, I would argue that you. You long for the feeling of when you get out. Yes, you don't crave when you're in the water. There's no, there's not like, oh my gosh, yeah. this is awesome. Every
1: morning I have to be like, okay, buddy, here we go. Oh, and there's yeah. this argument happening I, in my head.
0: I was just gonna ask that. I'm really curious. How does that conversation go when you're trying to convince yourself to get in there? How does that go?
2: Oh, I, I, I it's the same conversation. That if you see a, a hot girl across the room, you want to ask her out, and it's like whatever story you're telling. Should I go? I say yes. Should I do this? Should I do this? I mean, whatever your question, or it's like there's a business deal, and you're like, do I ask this? Do I lean in? Do I say yeah? It's the same thing. It's like the cold water. I'm like, I don't want to get in. Like you don't want to get in. It's uncomfortable, and I'm trying to talk myself out of it. It's like I don't need to do it this morning. I'm okay. I did it the last three days. I'm still all And, right. and it's this story. I mean, there's literally times where I've walked into my house. I'm like, I'm not doing it. Or if it's snowing and raining, I'm like, fuck it, I'm not doing this. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's like, then I start beating myself up and I'm like, and then I stop and I'm like, you're gonna ha- you're gonna have less confidence and your day won't start off as well because you didn't do it. And it, trust me, it's not because of the cold water. It's because I committed to myself that I was gonna do it. There it is. I was
0: just gonna say that. Okay, so if we're gonna do something hard, and the ice baths are a terrible example for me because to me that's not hard at all. Um, but if we're gonna do that, it ultimately comes down to a choice. I said I'm going to do this, so I'm going to do it. There's no argument to be had there. I said I'm going to do this, so therefore this is what it is. That's a big life hack that I have been sort of talking about this stuff, but I found over and over again.
1: You're or ultimately going to
0: reach a, reach a decision. You're a
1: unique soul in this area. I want you to know. Is it related to the cold water? or just
0: it just every anything
1: he's he's a professional baseball player he's a high level athlete
0: he comes from a long line of suffering like this is- <laughs> we used to call him ice Bass, and we did him every other day regardless yeah, just, of anything it was not this the entire team did it uh, the, wasn't it wasn't a mindset it wasn't thing. a mindset thing it was get just it, the how coach went, said get in the tub and the we, tub. and that's what it was
1: well, it's not that way. When you have this, I have a horse trough in my backyard, and up until about a week ago, I was cutting out the ice with an axe in the morning. So my neighbors see me out there in my robe and flip flops in the snow, hacking away. And they're like, "Oh, there goes, there goes the Adamses again." Um, and I'd get in there, and I think it's decreased um, inflammation in my body. It, it creates an amazing. After about forty seconds, I've noticed after forty seconds,
2: it's miserable. Forty after that, though. No, once you're in it, you could go. Honestly, you could go twenty minutes. You could, like once you're in it, you're in it.
0: That's also what we used to do. That forty, you seconds. would go until you were numb. So like the four or five minutes, that was that was warming up.
1: And I, it just incre- once I've done that, I get out of that. Um, I get out of that water. I go into my house and I do Wim Hof breathing until I bring my temperature, my core temperature, back up. I can't imagine when you say you're getting out of your sauna, sauna at hundred degrees and then getting into the water. That has to be a bigger temperature swing than I'm. That I'm doing however my water is outside it's frozen so
2: I might yeah you're might, at 39 40 whatever right whatever once it you is. break it yeah yeah
1: but dang I see so yeah, the reason I've set mine at dang. 45
2: is I've studied more like the physical emotional effects anything under 50 degrees has the same effect yeah so to me it's like so part of me is like yeah I want to do this but like I don't I don't need to torture myself But the difference to between 39 and 44 it's like it's still cold like so I don't need to that's my own ego saying like it needs to be at 39 because that's the coldest mine can go But I think, I think, Topher, what you said is it's important. Like for you, it's like ice baths are no big deal, right? And there's like, for me, like working out today, right? Like going to the gym, no big deal. I have embodied that. It is who I am. It is part of my day. I don't want to go half the, I don't want to go half the time if I really sit and think about it, but I, I don't even give myself a choice because I've embodied that's who I am. Five years ago, I was paying a coach thousands of dollars a month, literally trying to hype me up to be able to have my gym bag ready in the morning to go at 7 a.m. which is comical today. But at the time You're it not. was so emotionally difficult for me to get up and go to the gym. I could work 16 hours a day, but to go to the gym, I wasn't going there, right? Because of all the emotional unhealthy attachments I had to my worth as it relates to my body and it felt impossible. But today that's just that's it's just part of who I am. It's not hard. There's nothing hard about it. But I've had to embody that and it takes time. So you know one of my favorite sayings is the hard button's the easy button. So we're working out today is not, it's not hard. It's easy. Like the the, the art of going to it,
0: right? And choose so your heart. choose your heart. So again, ice baths for you on the same thing. It's like, well, it, it's with anything. The point I was trying to make with that is it's a decision somewhere. It's a you, choice. You made a, a decision that you are going to go to the gym and that's it. That is what it is. Now it might've taken you forever to get there. And you got to do that. You had to hire the coach. You had to do, get the gym bag ready and everything. But at the end of the day, nothing changed until you made the decision of, okay, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get in this cold plunge. I'm going to do it for 45 days straight. Boom. I'm going to do it. Making a decision.
2: Yeah. And I think one thing that that I've come to realize with myself, and I I find, you know, you just mentioned 45 days, right? Or 75 hard. It's like, you think about your start. If you've been morbidly overweight and the idea of like, I'm going to eat healthy and be perfect for 75 days, the, the idea of that from day one feels so overwhelming. You don't Monumental. even know what to do with yeah. it. Monumental, right? So what I've really, what I found that has a lot of success, you know, bring it back on the mindset is I set goal. Of course I have long-term, medium-term goals, but I, most of my goals are, are set on a daily basis. What am I going to do today? What am I going to do? I can do anything in a day, right? If it's like, I've, if my goal is not to eat a cookie, for example, like, you know, the thought of like, I'm not going to eat cookies for months. Like, uh, I'm already subconsciously telling myself I'm, I'm going to find myself craving cookies. Right. But it's like, no, I'm going to eat a cookie today. I'm, excuse me I'm not gonna eat a cookie today just today yeah you know today we're recording this is on a Tuesday so if I woke up this morning, I'm like, I'm not gonna eat a cookie on Tuesday I can do that for a day yeah you know so we could do anything for a day right. so I think like we over again it's the mind how can we trick ourselves how can we find ways to like reprogram change the story and you say this comes back to choice is there a different way of looking at it and I think again one of the questions you asked what I do is like I I try to be really curious around why I do what I do, hmm. especially if I start to fall back into limiting beliefs or it's like, wait a minute, where'd this come from? Where'd this come from?
1: Where am I feeling it?
2: So it's having curiosity. So for example, food, even today, if I get triggered food, the initial thing is food. I mean, that's just, it's 40 plus years of that. It doesn't go away overnight, Yeah, but it's still there. So there's moments really where I, I'll catch myself in a trance and then I'll get to the cupboard and then I stop. And then I have a conversation with myself. It's like, Adam, is this really what you want? Yeah. Is this like, is this, re- are you, are you hungry? So I'm getting curious and I'm asking myself questions. And the reality is like, i am just triggered. I have anxious. It's like, is there something else better that's actually going to fill your cup more? Cause uh-huh. the truth is, you know, you get in the cycle, we go to addictive behaviors of whatever that happens to be. And it's, we're seeking fulfillment or relief, but it's the cycle. Then we feel guilt and shame around it. Right. right. That's, that's the cycle of addiction. Yeah. And yep. so I think it's just taking the opportunity to pause and get curious and I have conversations with myself. So, you know, I mentioned earlier, like the conscious and the subconscious side. So I used to belittle that side of it. What I've learned is if we have those negative thoughts that come up, that's telling us we can't do something or we shouldn't do this or don't do that. When, if you're literally telling ourselves, like, be quiet, don't do it. You're literally throwing gasoline on the fire. Right. And so the way I, the example I use, what works for me is the subconscious is like our inner child. So I've actually called him Nuge. It used to be a very derogatory name. Nuge was my high school nickname. Oh. Right. So to me, it's like, it's the, it's the teenager. It's the younger version of me. So I literally, in my head, I'm like, all right, Nuge. It's like, I hear you because kids want to be seen too. So think of that little boy in us, right? That wants to be seen and wants to be heard, especially by mom and dad and others around him. If you acknowledge it, just say, Hey, Nuge, I hear you, but that doesn't work for us. So I'm I'm having these conversations and all of a sudden that voice in my head, that part of me that's pushing me to do something that I know is not going to bring, you know, me fulfillment, it's temporary comfort. I'm actually able to acknowledge that side of me and then bring both the conscious and the subconscious in alignment. And then I'm making conscious decisions. So it's almost like Nuge, I got you. I've got us. Yeah. You know, and I've found that like, if you acknowledge it, that voice, it, it wants to be heard. It
1: wants to be seen. Can we talk more about this? Cause I've, I'm, I'm practicing this right now. Um, then the Nuge, and I'm going to, I'm going to, I've got my little Robbie over yeah. there. Um, little Robbie will say, well, you know, you've tried this before. And that didn't work. You've tried it. My, my, my little voice argues back. You've, you've gone down this road before. Just get the donut. Just get the fucking donut. It's just a donut. It's not that big of a deal. No one will know. Like that little voice. And so like bringing, um, what I'm asking you is like, I have these conversations. I'm becoming conscious of that. And the, my goal is to say, all right, Robbie, I, you know what? I appreciate your opinion. I appreciate where you're coming from. I'm grateful for you, but I got this. Thank you like give
2: them the gratitude and move on. Not easy. This is no, the- no, so let's be clear, it's not easy, right? But it starts with awareness. And 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 the reality is with food, it's like I'm not perfect with my eating. Like I still slip back, I whatever that happens to be. I just don't beat myself up for it anymore. Hmm. I don't, and if I pull myself down, I'm able to pull myself out of it quicker. I think that's where magic, I think that's where true consciousness comes in. We're not, no one's gonna flip a switch overnight and be a completely different person from one day going forward forever. It doesn't work like that. Hmm there has to be grace and understanding that we're going to fall back into old patterns. We're going to fall back into old beliefs, especially if it's a story we've been telling ourselves for our entire life, right. to think that like, I've been doing this way for 40 some odd years. And all of a sudden, the next day, I'm just not going to be tempted or want to do all these things. That That's not even a reality. Hmm. And so your donut example, little Robbie wants, you know, no, we're getting the donut. You're going to give in and get the donut, right? Yeah. But the key is of using the donut as an example. It's like, look over a six month period. It's like, Let's say that it's been a daily thing for you. You get a donut every day and all of a sudden you're becoming more conscious and you're having that conversation with yourself. It's like, oh, we only did it three times this week, Hmm. right? And we were there for a while. Then it's like, oh my gosh, we only did it two. And then all of a sudden, you know, with time, you're like, oh my God, I don't even think about the donut just becomes something that's not there because as you you continue to pull away from it, that's where the magic happens. And that's the hardest part of all of it. It's Hmm. that initial like pulling away from old beliefs and patterns that truly aren't serving us consciously – and trying to uplevel, it's the it's the pain of embodying that. It's that integration that takes the time. Seems to me, and that's where most people get lost.
1: Well, and I think this is here's. I and you're saying this. What I'm hearing you say is that you have an ability to give yourself grace on the success that you're having. Where my inner Robbie, he's a black and white thinker. Like you either did it or you didn't. You you failed or you succeeded. There's no there's no middle ground. And what you're saying is. There's a lot of middle ground. I only had donuts three times this three times this week, and that's a huge victory over six times, seven times in a week, right? Yeah. And it's it's coming to this grace. I think there's an emotional intelligence aligned with that kind of thinking, that is something that I am always working on. I'm always working on the the gain, staying in the gain rather than the gap. Have you read that book? That's another great book. The gap. I've heard, it, but I haven't read it. Though. The gap in the gain. Um, I live in the gap. Oh man, I did really good today, but I could have done better if I I. I only had three donuts this week, but I said I was not going to eat donuts for the rest of the year. It was my resolution. It's like my space
2: that I'm really good at. So one, I you know I mentioned earlier, you know I had a a plant medicine experience around this whole thing, right? So again, little Robbie, Nudge, whatever we're going to call it. That's like, you know, and I don't care what the science says. It's whatever. The end of the day, it's like our mind. You know, I think the irony in this, you know, there's, you know, we talk about people that have schizophrenia. I joke that we all have schizophrenia. They're just saying out loud what we're telling ourselves inside of our head, right? Um, but I had this whole thing around my 13 year old son and in the medicine, it was showing like how hard I am on myself and the stories that I tell myself. And it's like, and then it's like showing me, it's like, would you ever talk to your 13 year old son Mm. the way you talk to yourself? Wow. And I'm literally in this just crying uncontrollably and just feeling like I would never talk to my son, let alone anyone else in the world, the way I beat myself up around this stuff. Right. So I think. I think when you can, to me, that's why it just resonates with me. When I can look at that side of me is like my younger version of myself. And it's like, and then actually being able to see like a 12 or 13 year old version of me, like nudes, you got this buddy. Yeah. And then, and then, then putting the picture of my son, <clears> throat> visually throat> seeing my son, Would I ever talk to my son that way, then why the hell do I talk to myself that way? Hmm. That's powerful. So, so I think, again, I think you, you mentioned earlier, one of the things like with your, you know, with your club and everything is talking about, you know, setting intentions and visions and like manifesting and looking at all these things. I think part of that is, is again, going, is getting curious. It's, it's looking at things from a different set of lenses, right? There's always two sides to a coin. There's the yin to the yang. And one person can see it one way. One person can see it another. I don't don't know why this is coming to mind. My, my boy's mom. So my ex-wife's, both her parents passed away from Parkinson's. Mm. They both had Parkinson's. And I remember when her dad passed away, watching uh, my co-parent's family deal with the death of their father who had Parkinson's. And at the same time, I had a client at the time whose husband had Parkinson's and died. And I watched two people, two families, that both experienced death right around the same time, have completely different experiences around it. Really, completely different experiences. Like that, the and not to say that there wasn't loss and sorrow uh, on oh, either sure. sides of it, right? But I watched one family go into the depths, the depths of despair, and all just like it just spiraled out of control. implode The other family created euphoria, and like they're in a better place. It was just it was the same thing, but their story around the death was very different, even though they both experienced death. Same thing, so it's perspective, right? Mm -hmm. So I think again, if I if we can get curious, if there's something in our life that we don't like that like or someone that's showing up, maybe maybe change the story. Just get curious. Like maybe there's something else to see that I'm not seeing. And I believe if we can get curious, first and foremost, the curiosity slows down the brain. The curiosity helps pull us out of the mindlessness and starts to give us a different perspective to potentially start making more conscious decisions or potentially better decisions that serve us. At the end of the day, whatever story we're telling ourselves around something is what's going to happen, right? So what you feel is like, the most, you know, Rob, you might have a story around something that's the most painful thing in the world. You can't believe it, blah blah blah. But the reality is, like, I could see it from a completely different perspective. It's just my perspective. Yeah. Does might make mine better than yours? I no. But at the same time, if a lot of pain and suffering that we experience, especially as men, it's the story in our head. Yeah. yeah. So and all change. You have to do is- and again, right? It. I I did a post about this a few weeks ago. It's like, if you want change, it starts with a choice. Period. So we can overcomplicate all the reasons why not, but at the end of the day, it starts with the choice. Again, we overcomplicate everything, and I just think, I find in my own life the humor in it. I mean, I truly believe whatever you believe God is. I think God laughs at us a lot. It's like, you guys, like- <laughs> Silly kids. Like, <laughs> are you for real, right? You're gonna figure this thing yeah. out. And I think magic happens when you can start to play with it.
1: Hmm. I like the curiosity. I think that that's, a, that's an amazing perspective because it does, we don't ask ourselves that. I am mad, why are you mad? i don't know why i'm mad like there's a lot of people that i see every day driving down i-15 who are angry and i want to ask them why are you mad they don't know why they're mad they don't they haven't slowed down enough to consider all or 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 whatever whatever it is that's cooking
2: you know what i mean that's pretty powerful i like that you know i think i think one of the again we live in a very polarized time of life everybody it's my way or the highway we've got politics i mean social media there's amazing things with that and there's I mean, I always get a kick out of watching people try to convince others on, on uh, political views and so forth. I've, I've yet to ever see it happen, but yet I, I get a kick out of people trying to convince each other their way or the highway, right? So one of the things that I've learned, especially with all the pain and everything I've gone through, is one of the greatest gifts that we get from tragedy or heartbreak or failure or whatever happens to be the setback is there's wisdom that comes out of it more than anything, and there's empathy. There's, a, there's the ability to connect with someone in their pain. And I know that, not that I want to sit and be in someone's pain, but again, just bringing it full circle. We talked about at the beginning is like, when you're in it, you feel like you're alone and you don't understand. You know, let's take something that's actually really common is divorce. You've been divorced a couple times. I've been divorced. You know, I used to give advice around divorce to people all the time. And I thought I was nailing it. The truth is until I went through one, I didn't know shit. Yeah. And so my advice to a couple or somebody going through a divorce today is so different so different because I know I've been there. Yeah. I can get, I can connect with you in that. And I think that's one of my unique offerings with men is like, listen, whatever story you're telling yourself around the pain of whatever you're feeling, trust me, I've been there. I know it. I know what it feels like to be suicidal. I know what it feels like to be morbidly overweight. I know what heartbreak feels like. I know what it feels like to lose a business. I know the highs of highs and the lows of lows and everything in between. Hmm. And I think that's, again, to be able to connect with that to let people, hey, you're not alone. Like, And I think that's just a a core message that all of us need to realize that we're never alone, even though we feel like we are. And Mm. there's people out there that have been where you've been, that understand where you're going through, and if they've gone through it, you can get through it.
1: That's exactly, um, that's, when Topher was talking about the group that we're creating, and the group that you're creating, it's that very thing. It's that very thing. I was struggling this last weekend, and and I had a chance to talk to Topher and, and a couple of others in our group and like really be honest about it and not 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 like vulnerable not overly emotional but like i got to be completely honest in a way that i knew that i was i i could be and in so doing that was a tremendous amount of healing where i think i would have carried this with me a lot longer like i got i was able to work through some shit that was just bringing me down and i had no place to put it and sometimes you i can put it in tofer's perspective and he's the way his brain works is so completely different than mine and he'll just take it and here you go and give it right back to you like break it down in a way that just makes sense to him and it's a new perspective and Alec has a completely different perspective than I do it's stunningly different but amazingly eye-opening and he is able to to deliver the message clearly and I just love the idea that um, I have a a group of uh, a tribe of brothers that I can I can rely on because um, life is hard enough, and if we're doing it on our own, it's even
2: harder. And, oh, yeah. You know. Women figured this out a long time They're ago. They're so smart in this area. Listen, they open up. They share shit. It's just yeah. like, you know, and they figure that out. It's like your your person, And i my girlfriend can go. She could be in a bad space, goes with her girlfriends, comes back. I'm great. Yeah, and it's and like they don't
1: even mess around. Like, I've heard my wife on the phone. She'll call up. She'll say to her girlfriend, hey, how you doing? And the girlfriend will say, I'm doing it, and they just go. They're in it. There's no, like, no, like you and I need to hang out, we need to talk about, like, 20 minutes of bullshit before we have a second not that long actually you and i are pretty quick that yeah. way but most of us are we i gotta hang out with you for like a week on the boat and then after that we can actually like okay i see you i see you over there you're a man just like me you're you got these things and it's it's the, how do these women do it it's a it's a weird thing i don't i was i'm thinking more about your question i don't know where it
2: comes from i don't know why we put these walls up as men well no i i, I, I think society pressures it. i think it goes back and again you're at, how old are you Top?
0: 33
2: oh yeah you're baby. a baby <laughs> a baby not really I'm, I'm 46 so but generational things change right and it's like yeah there to be able to open about this stuff and i just think of even my closest friends for years growing up i mean we never really got deep deep I mean, we talked about surface stuff made fun of each other you know like yeah. a lot of guys do and like but like did we ever get really really deep deep not not that often yeah. you know every once in a while or to get there's like eh, this is uncomfortable i'm not going there and like i am so not interested in relationships with anyone today that doesn't want to go deep. Like I'm fine doing the surface thing for a minute, but if I want to spend my time with someone, I want to spend my time with people that actually want to go there and feel comfortable with that. And I actually want to be a catalyst for that. You know, again, this whole thing that I think is really important. It's a really big part of my message is that you're not alone Mm -hmm. in your suffering and in your pain. I mean, we all have, everybody's different and we look at success different ways and so forth. But where we are all the same is we all have insecurities. We all have, you know, shame, guilt. We all mess up. We all ha- have that. And if we can create a safe container into actually talk about it, and that it's okay, and not only talk about it. Right? I mean, there's a lot of push around being vulnerable. I mean, vulnerability can be a superpower, which I truly believe it is. But it's like once you're open, that now what do you do with it? Yeah. Right? yeah. It's like, oh yeah, I've been a shit show, or I messed up here and messed up that. Okay, great. Now make actionable steps to move forward. You know, when my whole thing with my business, you know, came public and was all over the pl- press and was everywhere. I mean, I was a shit show with it, and I didn't know what to do. And I finally had this impression: of, like, I need to actually talk about this. I hadn't talked about it with anyone. The community's talking about it. Everybody's talking about it. So I finally went on social, and I just shared my story. And literally, talked, took radical accountability. Gave more of kind of a little bit overview from my perspective. I talked about being suicidal. I was scared to death to be that vulnerable. Petrified. Literally shaking. I hit, you know, I hit, you know, submit or whatever. I went for a walk. I'm like. Hey, in, and of course, in my head, I'm imagining that, you know, investors have lost money in the deal. I'm getting lambasted. I'm getting destroyed. I'm, I'm hearing all these things. And literally, it was hundreds and hundreds of text messages, DMs, voicemails of just empathy, of love. And the most surprising thing of all of it, with literally tears streaming down my eyes, was reading messages from men, many that I didn't even know. You saved my life today. Thank you for being brave. I'm not alone. Over and over, different messages around that, and it's like, again, we as men suffer in silence, and we don't need to. And there's power. And again, you don't necessarily need to do what i do and doing on social and bear it all there. But there are people. You know, there are people, there are resources, there are groups that you can go to to lean into, and you're you're gonna realize really quickly that you're not alone. So especially if you're in that dark place, I mean, please reach out. I didn't know at the time, and I isolated myself, and I know I could have moved through it. And I think some ways I was lucky. Right, yeah. that I didn't succumb to that because it was close, well, really close.
1: I want to, and I, I, I don't want to take away from that because I, I know that that is the truth. But I also feel like we, I don't have um, men that I can celebrate my victories with. Most of the time, when I have a victory, it's because I, I just beat you at something. I, we just, we, I, and I, that's not a, that's not a shared victory. There's no place that I can go to and be like, guess what happened this week? I just had the best, whatever, like. I made these contacts. I set this deal. I did this thing, and have men that are actually like, "Hell yeah, buddy! Good job!" Like that's that's amazing in a way that it's meaningful more than it's so competitive. I don't. There's I can get competition any, anywhere, all over the place. I can go to my office. There's competition oozing out of the walls. I want to go somewhere sometimes that someone's like, "Hey, that's that's really that's kind of amazing that you did that. Good job," because I want that shot in the arm. That
2: little Robbie still really values. Oh yeah, we want to be seen. Men want to be seen. Yeah. Thank we, you. We That's what I'm be trying seen. to say. We want to be seen. I don't call it ego. Call it whatever you want. I think it's part of us. Yeah, we want to be seen. I want to. I want to be acknowledged. Yeah. I want. I want a good job. Yeah. I want to yeah. hear. Like, I want to add a boy. Yeah. Like you got this, right? Yeah. Like, and just, you know, it's interesting. Like I've always been one that gives a lot, and like you know, and I always used to say, like you know, I give without anything, expecting anything in return. The truth is, like if I give and give and give, and someone doesn't even say thank you, like I actually, it's interesting. Like I build resentment around that. Yeah. Like all I need. And so now it's like all I need is a thank you. I mean, I'm not going to necessarily say that, but if someone continues to show you a pattern of like a lack of appreciation for something you're continuing to do, I've found myself, I mean, owning my part, like I actually build resentment around yeah. it, yeah. but it's just like a simple thank you. Oh my God. Like I'm melting. Like, yeah. oh, Bills thank paid. You.
1: Bill's paid. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So I, I think I hear you on that because I think it can be considered, I think it just depends on the circle, right? Because I, I love celebrating people's success. I love seeing people win, but there's a lot of people that don't, Yeah. you know? And I think. I think even in the, I think a lot of times, like even my world, the coach world is like a, a big part of what I do is even just accountability, right? So I think a lot of the wins that we have, right, you want to celebrate a lot of those because if you back into it, that maybe people don't know about it is like, you know, you might've said, "How oh, I, I had three sales this week, but what you didn't realize is like, you know, in your real estate business, but what, in order to get those three sales, it required, you know, 10 centers of influence meetings and it, it required 50 phone calls or whatever. Right. And it's like, you did all the work and the sales were a byproduct of the time you spent. Mm. So to me, it's so cel- you, you want to celebrate the wins, but a lot of times it's like, let's celebrate what it took to get there.
1: Mm, powerful. That's powerful. Thank you, know, you. Thank so you for think, that. I needed to hear that today. So I
2: think like accountability, right. I mean, you, in, in professional sports, right. And basically it's like, like yeah, the focus is like what happens on game day. Right. But it's <laughs> like, it's, you know, we we're talking about it earlier. It's the twenty-minute ice pass. It's all the work that leads into that that actually leads to the success. And so much emphasis is on the home run, you know, the base hit, the grand slam, whatever it is. But it's like it's the preparation and all the time that went into that. That is like the the ultimate prize, if you will. But like it's the work is what's done behind the scenes that nobody
0: sees. Nobody knows that baseball players show up at noon for a seven o'clock start. <clears throat> Half the baseball game is this big in the whole picture of everything. Huh. And it, life is the, what you're saying, spot on. Yeah, spot on. It's everything else that nobody else sees.
1: Powerful stuff. Well, listen, Adam, we've talked about a lot of things. I I want to spend some time um, focusing on burn up. How can we get? How can we men get involved? How can we support you best in, in growing this? Because everything you're talking about in creating the accountability and the coaching and um, the uh, the celebrating of the successes is, I think, necessary. It's it's uh, lacking in our culture right now. How can we get behind
2: that and support you in this? No, thank you. I think, I think ultimately, again, I think society, especially with men, is like we feel like certain things are unachievable, right? Especially when we've had losses or different things like I'm never going to have this, right? Or my whole identity is tied to a business or tied to a marriage or tied to whatever, right? And I think the biggest thing that I, that I want to do for men is empower them to like realize that like you can have everything you possibly want. Everything's inside of you. It's actually not outside of you. You know, the whole thing of like, I want to go buy a lottery ticket to win the millions. Like, no, you are the lottery ticket, hmm. right? If you want to get in shape, the thing I love about physical fitness and my own physical journey, and why I have so much pride in it is like, you can't buy it. Like, I don't care what anyone says. Like you, you have to earn it. Like anyone that's in shape that walks into a room, it's like, they've earned it. And I don't care if they're on hormones, steroids, it doesn't matter. Like at the end of the day, there's still a ton of work that went into that. Right. And, and that's the same with success and same with anything is it's like, there is no free lunch. There is no quick fix. We're all searching for the quick fix, the quick fad, the quick this, right? The magic pill. Yeah. And so my whole thing is transformation. Like it's embodying it. It's like if you want true change, if you want to really elevate every aspect of your life, it's going to require radical transformation and it's going to require radical behavioral changes. It, it, it's it's inevitable. It, it Otherwise, you're not going to get what you want. And so like my whole premise of working with men is like to lean into that. And it's to be like – and I can't do it for them. And that's the beautiful thing i think the greatest coaches in the world don't you know can be a guide and can show them it's like i've been there and can path but ultimately it's that a coach can help lead the people they're working with back to themselves to come up with their own conclusion hmm. and they need to because at the end of the day i you know rob if you and i are working together in a coaching arrangement and i'm saying go do this go do this go to this like yeah you might get some success for that but at the end of the day it's like if you don't believe it if you're not embodying it it's not nothing's going to happen
1: i think what's more is that um and you you've touched on this as you had to hit a point where you have to decide what you want. Um, I could say, "Yeah, I'm getting coaching and I'm doing the thing and I'm but there was a point where you were like, you ordered that more you ordered that extra food and you realized this isn't what I want." As we come to that place as men and you're you're creating um, a runway for them to discover what it is they do want. That's what coaching is, right? What is it? What is it's it really important to you, Adam? Who is Adam? What does that mean? How is it going to work? How are you going to apply this and, and grow this? I I love that you're creating that um, space that you can help them because you've been down that road. You've you've rung the bell, but You've <laughs> if there's been something to do, tremendous weight loss to um, loss of wealth to loss of marriage. You've
2: and I'm, I'm not trying to focus on the negative things, but you've overcome those but, things. But but the thing is, it's important. Is like. That wasn't necessarily – I didn't need to get to 350 pounds before getting in shape. That was a choice. I didn't need to get divorced to learn to actually take radical accountability. Unfortunately, it took very traumatic experiences in my life in order for me to kind of snap out of the trance or whatever you want it to be, right? Right. So one of my biggest intentions is like it doesn't need to get as bad as I experienced it. Part of it is like I don't want anyone to go through what I went through. Right, But at the end of the day, if you're, for example, in in, a, in an unfulfilled marriage that's just coasting, and you're not willing to own your shit in it because you're a common denominator, and I'm talking to the men right now, and you want to point your finger at your wife and she's not doing this like this, you're not having sex, you're not having intimacy, trust me, you are the problem, Yeah. period. They yes, don't, does don't she say... play a role? Yes, yep. but so do you. Yep. And so you can keep telling yourself the same story and keep doing the same thing and while you might not get divorced today. One or two things are going to happen. You're going to continue to live an unfulfilled and be in an unfulfilled relationship in perpetuity or your marriage will come to an end. End of story. There is no happy ending to it either way. Right. And unfortunately, people are okay just being, "Eh." I'm not interested in men or working with anyone, frankly, that's okay just coasting. Like, Mm. I'm actually done with it. There's people in my life that are just coasting, like, that have been close. Like, I'm out. Like, I don't want... That in my life, I see you, you do you. But if you want, say you're going to do something or you want something, then go after it. Like, I'll be right there with you. Mm. But I'm not interested in coasting. I'm not interested in half-assed. I'm not interested in leaving a, living a mediocre life or having people in my life that want to live a mediocre life. I mm. want to live an elevated life and realize that, like, it requires radical accountability and radical change. And again, it's super easy to point a finger at everybody else. Yeah. Right? So to me... It's like I'm interested. Men have to be able to make a choice and actually look in the mirror. It's like you know what, I'm the problem. Yeah, I'm not making the money I'm making because of decisions I'm I have made and continue to make. Yeah. Period. Now let's go forward.
1: Yeah. And I'm done with it. And I'm done with it. I'm over it. I don't want to do this anymore. I've gotten what I've gotten, doing what I've done. Now what? Now what do I need to do to improve? Exactly.
2: So it's like and and, and so this is my belief. So much of what's holding all of us back from whatever we want in life. Again, bringing it full circle is our mind. What are the stories we're telling ourselves? So much of this is learning mind hacks and tricks to be able to trick and reprogram the way we tell the stories we tell ourselves. It's a mindset game. Mindset affects all of it. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. once you get that in line, everything else starts to fall in place. It's fascinating. And so so to me, I mean, I'm a mindset coach as much as anything. And it's to help help people not let the limiting beliefs hold them back. And trust me, I get it. And it's not like i'm perfect at this by any means i have my own limiting beliefs i have my own stories but part of my whole why is like wait a minute you i don't want to be a hypocrite in a way And like hey do as you know, i want people to say do as i do not what i say yeah right and i want to live that and i think part of my why and part of what really pushes me to really excel and build this is because i have something to prove to myself first and foremost and i want to show people and show men specifically that's like you can have extreme travesty and loss yet still have everything you possibly want it's not you know, it's not the finish line. It's just the start of a new chapter. Yeah, hmm. yeah.
1: And let's build on it. Let's build on it. Let's yeah. not beat ourselves up over it. Let's build upon it and, and see where it takes us. Um, so you you have the Burn Up coaching. Um, you do do you, you said you do men's retreats as
2: well? Yeah, so we've got, so BurnUp.com is where people can find out. They can schedule time with him. They can follow me on social. It's just Adam Nugent or Burn Up. I, I post most of my stuff just on my personal account. Um, I do have a retreat coming up here soon. I'm not quite sure when this is going to air, but mid April, I'm actually doing an ayahuasca retreat in Costa Rica. Wow. So for just only for 20 people, I've assembled an incredible team of shamans of facilitators. This will be an experience like no other. Again, I'm, I'm a huge advocate for plant medicine. It's been a great tool, um, that has literally transformed my life. I always say there's life before ayahuasca and there's life after. Yeah. And I'm a huge advocate for plant medicine when it's done in the right setting, when you've got the right people when you've got the right intentions in place. And so a lot of intentions gone into curate an incredible space of healing, of growth, of awareness in August. Yeah. It's in April. April, April in April. So that's coming up. We'll have some other ones coming up also here coming up here. And I'm not quite sure when this is going to air, but here in the next few weeks, I'm also launching here. I've been doing one-on-one coaching, which we'll continue to do that, but I'm also launching a group men's coaching platform that will have people from all over the country can be a part of this. We'll have monthly get togethers for those that are here locally in Utah. And we're going to build a community, but then create a very safe place to really help people level up. And kind of going back to what you said, Rob, is like, I want a group of men that, like, I can go to, like you guys have here in your club, you know, that, like, you can help build each other up and hold each other accountable. Because I believe in accountability mm-hmm. big time. And sometimes we need an accountability partners. Sometimes we need someone to help us hold us accountable. I mean, ultimately, in a perfect world, it's like, I can hold myself accountable, but let's be real. That isn't always the case, right? You don't want to get
1: in that cold water this morning. You talk yourself out of that. Yeah, that's it's And it's just... like, Rob, but
2: it's like, you know meet like you're my accountability partner and i tell you the night before my, i'm getting in the pool i'm getting in the cold water and i don't want to do it the next day two things are going to happen one adam you told yourself but two it's like no i told rob yeah. and i know i got a call with rob later today and i don't want to let him down yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely not, not even let you down i don't want i don't want to let myself down by telling you that i didn't do it there it is that's the that's, that's the sauce. really what it comes down that's to that's the sauce right there
1: well, I love that. And, um, ladies and gentlemen, as you listen to the American Masterminds and you listen to Adam and um, some of the principles that we've covered here, we've talked about in other podcasts. And this is an over like theme that comes again and again, high accountability. What can I do now? What's the one most important thing I can do that will move the needle the Choosing most? Choosing your heart. Choosing your heart. I love that. It seems like we have this theme that's coming up yes. again and again. Have you
0: noticed that? Yeah, 100%. And
1: I, I really – I really love it because it does speak to the commonality of the condition, the 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 of life and, yeah. and the journey that we're on as men. And um, I love that the that you are doing this and you're heading in that way. I would love to be a part of whatever it is you're doing, Adam. I I find you and I always have admired you, but I find what your journey is now um, is amazing and that um, that rebirth that. That is that you're you're experiencing now is is a wonderful to witness, and so appreciate you sharing that with us. The the last question that I want to throw in there, unless you have something else, is where do you see the burn up program going in the next year or two? Where do you
2: what do you want out of this? Yeah, I want to. I, what I want more than anything is I want this to be a movement, right? It, you know, my tagline is freedom is in the fire. Um, I want I want it to become. Almost like freedom's in the fire, right? It's almost something we tell each other: "Night, hey, freedom's in the fire. Go for it. Go for it. You no, know, burn up. Burn up. Right. Lean into it. Right. I want. I want when we're faced with challenges, to so that to come to mind. It's like, oh, I saw Adam do this, or there's other men that are doing this and kind of leaning into that. I, I'm, you know, so burn up the coaching. I want to continue to grow the community. I want to build in that. Another big thing that that I will be bringing on later this year is, you know, again, my health and wellness journey has been such a big part of who I am, and I think so much of our confidence is rooted in how we feel physically. Oh, yeah. Right? And again, having, ex- ex- you know, experienced both ends of the spectrum, like how we fuel our body and do stuff. And, you know, getting my hormones and everything in check has been a huge part of my journey. And so I intend to open a wellness center that's going to have a hormonal clinic on it. It'll also have the spirituality side of it and have hot and cold therapy that people can go do to. We'll have yoga, sound bath. It's going to incorporate literally true wellness that's going to cover, you know, both the physical, mental, spiritual, you know, all the aspects of, you know, the mental side of it and bring it all together and just a very beautiful, healing, experiential place that can kind of, you know, culminate and bring it all together. Wow. So my intention is to kind of bring that online. But it's all around health and wellness and the betterment of, you know, who we are as individuals. And I just feel like as one person levels up, you know, others around us level up and people will meet you there. And I think especially for those that are in marriages or, you know, men that, you know, I'm talking to the men now. It's like if you level up, if you show up more often than not, you said this earlier, Rob, your partner, your wife, will meet you there. Yes. Or exceed you almost always. Yeah, but they'll meet you. They're wait. They're like they're, they're craving it and they're yeah. longing for it to show up and man up, and be the best version of yourself. And everything you want from intimacy, from connection to success will go through the roof when you can actually finally take the decision right to look at your mirror, own your shit, and step into that step because it's uncomfortable. But if you step into that, everything you want is on the other side of that uncomfortableness. Again, freedom's in the fire. Freedom's
1: in the fire. You're not alone, you're not alone, Ben gentlemen. We're all in this uh in this journey together. If you are not aligned with uh American masterminds or a burn up program, get aligned. find your tribe men this is this is as important as good nutrition, good rest, and exercise this is mental health is a huge issue among men right now. The suicide rates are ridiculous the 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 feeling alone has always been a thing among men and I just really want to like give that shout out a call to action if you've listened to this gentleman find your tribe yes and it could be in the RC club it could be in a motorcycle club it could be it could be anything but find a group of dudes doing something that you're interested in lean into it and and make those connections because you're not alone but you have to make an effort not be
2: that yeah and I think a simple thing go on Facebook and like I'm looking for men that I can build a tribe with anyone interested? I mean it could be that simple you'd be shocked at how many people will reach out they'll raise their hand men are longing for this oh yeah yes
1: yeah it's something that's needed right now so um thank you for listening to this uh podcast thank you for being our guest today we're very grateful thank you thank you and uh if you've enjoyed what you've heard today please like it share it um subscribe become a fan of the American Masterminds become a fan and follow our friend Adam and his journey uh you said you're starting a podcast of your own. Own. Yeah, it
2: should be launching here in the next few weeks. And
1: so keep your eyes out for that. Follow him on um, social media and be part of a tribe. Thank you so much. Thank
2: you. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen.